and welcome to this week's episode of the Bucketless Gamers podcast. I am your host, Eddie, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Jay. Hello. There he is. Uh, and this week, we are looking at two Half-Life games, which would technically make it a full life if I was being pedantic. But yes, we are looking at Half-Life, the original, and Half-Life 2. So Half-Life 1 is number 39 in the list and came out in 1998. And Half-Life 2, its sequel, is number 20 in the list and came out in 2004. And I think we are both in agreement that we are sensing a bit of the portal feel about this in that we probably are going to go forward with confidence and then after half an hour go, we should probably talk about something else. Yeah, I don't know about a full life, more like f*** my life doing this one. Because <laughs> I it, it's not a game I've played particularly a lot. I've played the first one a bit and didn't really like it, but then I don't think I I gave it much of a chance either because I came to it years down the line and it all looked a bit blocky and boring and I sacked it off fairly quickly, which I know is probably on me rather than the games. But yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of good things about it, but it's just never really drawn me in. I know everyone wants a third one and that's... That's sort of my limit of knowledge on Half-Life. Yeah, and Valve are taking the piss when it comes to uh, <laughs> delivering a direct sequel at the minute. They're uh, they're pushing, what, 2008? Uh, 2007 was the last proper sequel to it, and what? <laughs> so we're, we're quite a ways away from that point, and they still haven't delivered anything yet, so they're... Uh, they keep dropping hints and they keep being very coy about things and then they do something different and deliver us something like Half-Life Alex in 2022. Yeah, wasn't there a game by them not in the same series where there was like a hotel room door that was number three or something and you could break into it and it had clues about an upcoming game and everyone went mad saying it was going to be Half-Life yeah. 3 and then it just it never led to anything in the end. Yeah, yeah, they do like doing stuff like that. I forget what game it was now, but I remember seeing a YouTube video or something about it and everyone, it might have been a game theory one or something, saying, oh, Half-Life 3 is coming and that must have been five years ago now and, <laughs> and there's still no sign of it. And I don't know why they don't, because it obviously would sell well. Yeah, I think at the minute this it's at a point now where it's got a bit of the Duke Nukem Forever about it, mm. that it's been that long that whatever it is they produce cannot be possibly live up to the hype. I mean Duke Nukem Forever. It, oh. it it not it's not a case of not living up to the hype, is it? It's a case of that was a genuinely bad game. Like if, if that had have <laughs> yeah. released with no hype and it had come out like the year after Duke Nukem 3D, people would have still gone, This is awful. And <laughs> And I can see why with that, because it went through so many studios, didn't it? It had so many rebuilds for the new graphics engines and all that kind of thing. And more so than anything else, times had changed. And that level of humour and that character just felt so out of place by the time that it came out, for better or worse. I mean, I like Duke Nukem, and Duke Nukem 3D is one of my favourite games of that era. But it just—you'd think somebody would have had the wherewithal to go. Well, oh, these jokes don't work these days. Like, <laughs> this is not going to go over well. Can we not at least poke fun at ourselves a bit more? And I know they did it a little bit, didn't they? And and sort of made out that it was outdated and that kind of thing. But they sort of went back on that really quickly, and then just carried on doing the same humor all the way through the game. Yeah, um, you could almost see it was like cutting a tree in half. And you could see the development stages in rings going right the way back to the core from how long it had been developed and the attitudes that had changed in first-person shooters over the years that they'd been developing. You could see it in sort of little stages. And you're right, they do sort of lean away from it and try and take the piss out of themselves and then go right back to taking the piss out of <laughs> other games that have done what they are trying to do so much better. And you just think, probably shouldn't throw stones. Can you tell we've nothing to say about Half-Life? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say we've segued into Duke Nukem <laughs> literally five minutes in. Yeah, go on, back okay. to Half-Life. I mean, you're going to so, have to leave this yeah. on because I'm not overly familiar with it. I mean, I thought it was linked to Portal in some way, and like we discovered in the Portal episode, they're set in the same universe, but they don't really connect yeah. in any way, do they? It's a tangential link 
uh, between the two. So the 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 similar sciency lab experiment sort of scenarios. I, I was watching a review of Half Life earlier just to refresh, particularly the opening bit because I think that's the only bit anyone plays consistently. The first twenty minutes of the crawl into Black Mesa, and it's the bloke who was reviewing it said, "Well, it's aged well." And I looked at it and went. <laughs> Has it? I think the only thing that's aged worse is Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, yeah, I've I've seen images of it, and it's. I think blocky would be a polite term for it for the first one. I remember even at the time when I played it, and it wouldn't have been that long after it came out. It would have been well after two came out, and people kept saying, "Oh, you need to play this game," and I went back and played it, and even then, I thought. These graphics came out in what year? The game itself might be quite good and the core gameplay, but I don't think the first one pulled up any trees in terms of how good it looked. No, definitely not. It, it does look something that is very reminiscent of PS2 era graphics. Everything is very chunky. You've got sort of like stretched pre-rendered backgrounds because you go in a sort of train carriage at the beginning and you're going through like the underground facility of Black Mesa yeah, and then you go outside and it's sort of like a red rock canyon and you can literally see how the graphic has just been stretched over what is supposed to be like a cliff face and the you can see the pixels sort of go from tiny to really really stretched and big and then <laughs> tiny again and it's like this this wasn't done with any degree of care <laughs> I've just pulled up a picture of, of Gordon from the first game just because I thought I've got an image in my head of what he looks like, but I'm just going to pull it up and make sure it's correct. And yeah, Jesus. I mean, his body is, is like one of the most <laughs> angular things. He's, it's like he's got points on his toes, his shoes are that. <laughs> that comes to such a fine point. And, and he sort of puts me in mind of like a cutting edge Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> <laughs> from the Wild Thornberrys. If you took him and put him in a spacesuit and just changed the, the art style slightly, you're not a million miles away from how he looked in the first game. And I know they've they've brought his character on from there, haven't they? But in that first game, he's not a million miles away. So the listeners out there, and potentially you, do you remember Reboot? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, who doesn't remember Reboot? It was terrifying. That looks better graphically yeah. than this does. <laughs> God, Reboot, yeah, that was a... I mean, I think I was just... We, well, we were probably just a bit young for it when it came out because it was yeah. quite serious for a kid's show, weren't it? Mm-hmm. And some of the the things that happen in that programme are horrifying. When, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, when viruses come into it and stuff, and they're just they're terrible looking. And, yeah, I remember not being completely scared of it when I was a kid, but if it was on and I weren't particularly bothered, I'm like, I'm not watching this because... Yeah, it's it's yeah. not something I'm I'm particularly fond of at the minute, and I think it it was too much, wasn't it? It was like too much for a kids show, but it wasn't enough to be an adult show. It was stuck in that little middle ground. Yeah, it was weird. Um, I mean, if anyone wants to scare the kids, look up Hexadecimal Reboot. Yeah, she was. The it one, was yeah. horrifying. So she was like the main villainess, this Rita Repulsor for the Power Rangers sort of thing. And she was haunting for a kid's cartoon. And like when she kicked off, all her features would stretch, wouldn't they? And, and warp. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was really... Didn't they try and reboot Reboot a few years back? And it, it didn't go well at all. I'm I'm pretty sure they did. and And it just failed miserably because its gimmick was that it was, it looked quite cutting edge, wasn't it? Whereas now yeah. it doesn't, no matter how well they do it now, it doesn't look like it's anything out of the ordinary. So it just flopped. But yeah, I can see what you mean about the the, uh, the graphics in that do look more complicated than in Half-Life. And they probably should because it's a pre-rendered TV show and not a, yeah. a game that you're playing. But even so, yeah, it is for the time it came out, I would expect it to look better. I think other games were looking better by that point. Yeah, and even if you go back to sort of pixel graphics, some of the pixel graphics, for even even if we take first-person shooters, Doom had nice, crunchy pixel art that was mm. far and away more attractive to look at than this. And you were just looking at entrails of <laughs> hell demons <laughs> that you were blasting apart. So, yeah, it, it does say something, to be honest with you. And, and not to say that we're graphic snobs. I mean... 
some of no. some of our favorite games, like some of the Resident Evil games, look horrific by today's standards, don't they? And and we still would quite happily play them. But for me, it just looked not even of its time already when no. it when it for the year it came out, and then. The gameplay didn't hook me in, but then I suppose it's it's not my favourite type of game. I can play those kind of games and enjoy them, but when I played it, I, it just didn't grab me at all. The storyline didn't grab me, and I probably didn't get far enough in. But I don't recall the combat in the first one being anything special either. No. it The storyline in and of itself is a very slow boil to start with. So basically, you rock up to work... You get on this tram system and you spend the first 20 minutes. You're able to freely roam around the tram cab, which is, you know, a completely fresh take for first person shooters because you didn't have storytelling prior to this. So to have sort of an interact, it's almost like an interactive cutscene where you can still move around and, and interact with objects while people are talking around you. And you're basically given the sort of automated system voiceover from like the company Tanoi that's talking to you it's almost like it's your first day on the job and you're being told about what Black Mesa does and it all starts out really really nice it's like oh yeah we're we're a science company we're we're, you know we're trying to protect the world against cancer and solve all the, the problems that viruses are giving us and then as you slowly make your way through the rest of the facility you go past pits full of nuclear waste and you're like, okay, well, that, that's a bit of a red flag. And you've got sort of giant mech robots wandering around and scientists in labs doing experiments on things that you can't quite make out properly. And you slowly get the sinking realisation that there's something a little bit off about working here, which is only made worse by the time... Because when you actually get off the tram at the other side, go through into your workspace, the, the other scientists that are there are really cagey with you. They're like, oh, so we're going to do an experiment today um, and it should all be fine. And you're like, right, well, why are you telling me it should all be fine? And then the other bloke goes, yes, a resonance cascade's a very unlikely event. And you just go, one, what's a resonance cascade? And two, why are you telling me it's an unlikely event? Um, And then they just go, if you just nip through these doors and if you just press a couple of buttons when you're down there, that'll be lovely. And then they f*** off and you just sort of go, (laughs) oh, Okay, um, you go down and then stuff starts exploding and you get a resonance cascade and you get catapulted through a tear in time and space and you end up on this alien world for about two minutes before you're pulled back into the facility that has gone through quite the renovation in your two minutes of absence. So there's blood all over the walls. All the scientists that um, you were talking to are either dead in pools of their own blood or being mauled by head crabs. And then they just sort of go, here's a crowbar, off you go. We need you to get to the surface. And you sort of go, oh, okay. It's a bit Bioshock in that regard. Yeah, I mean, the the story sounds appealing to me. So like, I'd, I'd obviously not given it enough of a chance, or I wasn't listening and I just wanted... Because I, I, especially a while ago like not so much these days but if i'm playing a game like that i i just want to get into the action so i tend to either ignore or skip past anything i can uh, whereas these days i'll give the story a bit more of a chance it honestly sounds like a game that i think i'd enjoy watching more than playing yeah or or playing in a group or a couple of people where you can pass backwards and forwards and and have a bit of like banter about it and enjoy it as a, a a sort of group rather than an individual so yeah probably it is probably a me problem rather than a, a half-life problem in that i don't particularly care for it it's the way you described the beginning of it just put me in mind of um atomic heart and how boring the first 20 minutes or yeah. so of that game is so maybe we didn't give that enough of a chance either but then i've not heard anything about it since it released nobody's particularly been singing its praises so i'm guessing it, it wasn't just us that didn't particularly enjoy that game either no, I wouldn't think so. But yeah, Half-Life sounds like it. I probably should have given it way more of a chance, I would think, and I probably didn't, so that's on me. But yeah, I will, in that case, sort of cede to your better knowledge on these games and, and let you crack on I, talking about them. I, I wouldn't say it was one of my favourite games, to be honest with you, because the the gameplay after a str- fairly strong opening in terms of storytelling 
doesn't really go anywhere. It sort of waffles about a bit and you keep getting different weapons to pick up. But there is a very, very hefty waft of Bioshock in the air. So you start out, your first weapon is a crowbar, whereas in Bioshock you get the wrench. There is that creeping dread that lurks underneath the skin of Bioshock and you get similar with this with the head crabs, which are hideous. They're like little balls of putty that have got like this tooth-lined maw on the underside of the bodies. And they walk around on two little pudgy, uh, four little pudgy stick legs. And they just sort of stamp, scamp around at you, latch onto your face. Um, and then they ingest the owner's head and they take over as like a, a sort of hive mind or a parasite. Hmm. But yeah, the gunplay is not particularly good. It is one of those rare games where you get a secondary function to all your weapons. So your pistol either has a single shot, which is the left button, or it's a two-shot or a rapid fire, which is the right-click button. And then you've got like a machine gun that's got a grenade launcher as a secondary function, a shotgun that can fire one shell or two shells in one go. So there is a bit of variety there, but it's not something that... It's not smooth. It's it's very. There's no weight to the weapons at all. You you seem to be plinking mm. away at this this hideous interdimensional abomination that's currently shuffling towards you, and you just don't feel like you're doing any damage to it. And then it just sort of goes and falls over. You're like, oh, I've killed it, ever. Um, brilliant. Next one. That there doesn't seem to be any sort of kickback or you don't seem to see the bullets making any effect on the enemies which when you've got stuff like doom as it's as one of its predecessors really it's a bit jarring yeah i think to again go off on a bit of a tangent that was one of my issues when i first started playing starfield it gets better but when the first couple of guns that you get don't feel like they've got any impact whatsoever and you can be shooting enemies and they they barely seem to react to it. And then it doesn't last long because as soon as you pick up a couple more weapons off the, the fallen bodies, they feel like they've got enough weight to them and it's fine. But the very first sort of 10, 15 minutes I played it, I was like, these don't feel... Like in Fallout, every gun feels like it's got some heft to it, doesn't it? Even even like the BB gun rifle or whatever it is, if you get a decent shot with that, especially with bats, you get that impact and you feel it go off whereas first couple of ones on starfield didn't have that and i was sort of a bit disappointed when i first played the first 10 or 15 and then as soon as i started picking up better weapons and and started getting weapons with effects on the bullets and that kind of thing it picked up and i I sort of moved on from that but yeah to go back to your point about the secondary function for weapons you don't see that in a lot of games anymore and i used to really like that i'm just trying to think of of games that uh, had it and I know South Park had it in the first-person shooter, but not the best uh, example of a game that that was a first-person shooter for most people. But that had it. You could have like a secondary function that took longer but did more damage. Or yeah, I think it changed the. It was either so. Like I think the snowball was snowball or a yellow snowball. So it obviously took longer to make, but it was more powerful. I think the dodgeball was slightly more powerful. The little Nerf gun thing, you could fire it in three round bursts, I think, rather than single shots. And then the Terrence and Phillip dolls were either proxy mines or remote mines, I think, depending on which one you picked. So you only had one weapon, but it actually functioned in two completely different ways. So, And yeah, there was one game that did it really well, and it's just completely... I'm just completely drawing a blank on what it was. But there was one game where every weapon had a secondary function and they were all brilliant. Perfect Dark was always my go-to for secondary functions on weapons. They were superb. That's what it is, yeah. Perfect Dark, everything had a secondary function, didn't it? Was was one of them a pistol whip? If you didn't, uh, if like with one of the guns rather than, yeah, it was definitely perfect dark then. And that did it really well. Because, like you say, one of them had a grenade launcher strapped to the bottom of it, didn't it? So you could either use that or the actual bullets. And yeah, so that was a a good example of it. We just don't see it in games these days. I don't think The Last Doom had it. Not that I can remember. No. Oh, no, they did have secondary functions, but they weren't great. 
and I think it was the last Doom that just sort of gave you upgrade points for everything. Oh, you walked into a secret room, here's a, here's a weapon upgrade. <laughs> you walked out of a secret room, here's a weapon upgrade. And it was like, you, you would just, it was basically coming out of the hot taps. There was that much of it. And you were just like, oh, great. I don't use the secondary functions because, well, the shits, to be quite honest with you, Doom. <laughs> there was another one, um, Bulletstorm. Bulletstorm had secondary functions on uh, on guns. I definitely remember Bulletstorm, but I didn't play it much. Did Dead Space have secondary functions? I know you can change the trajectory of the yes. bullets on that cutter, can't you? So that's one that fairly recently did. But yeah, it seems to be a bit of a lost art to get a good secondary function on guns these days. Yeah, uh, but then outside of that, I don't think Half-Life 1 does much else. I think the ending of the game is always considered a bit of a disappointment because you sort of you have your final boss um, and you go through this tear in time and space into the alien world to take on this sort of hive mind thing, which just looks like a giant fetus that fires electric bolts at you. And it's like, oh, so I'm not just stolen from Earthbound then. Yeah, pretty much. Shall we give it a score and then move on to two? Yeah. I'll again I'll let you pick on this. I'd be giving it like high sixties if it was based on my short playthrough of it, but I know it did a lot. It it's it's well regarded, isn't it? And it like you said, it moved on first person shooters into that storyline driven rather than pure action driven environment. So you've got to give it credit for that. Yeah, definitely. I'd probably say sixty eight, sixty nine, because you can't sort of deny its legacy. Because every first-person shooter that is sort of heavily story-driven that's come after it has been as a result of how popular Half-Life was. Right down to stuff like Bioshock, Halo probably wouldn't have been as successful without Half-Life lighting the way, really. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair one. Six, we'll go 69, just just under the 70 mark. Give it that, that's, that's, uh, that's fair. And then move on to the second one. So... How does the storyline connect if you've already taken out the the big evil in the first one? Well, you you've sort of taken out one of the arch leaders, if 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 you want to uh. word it like that. Then it's not the big big bad because you hmm. there's sort of like a gap between one and two. And Morgan Freeman, who's the protagonist of the first one, when you are in, when you get to the second one, you've sort of become this mythological figure. You've you've essentially become like Specky Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you look like Jesus for a start because you've got this little beard and and <laughs> and the roby uh, outfit that you're wearing. But <laughs> I'd just like to point out as well, you just called him Morgan Freeman, which I think would be a far oh, better yeah. game than that. <laughs> That'd be so much better. <laughs> <laughs> so Gordon yeah, not Freeman, Morgan Freeman. The, Gordon <laughs> <the Freeman>. <laughs> oh god uh, when you said sorry. it I was like is is that what he's called have they actually called him that and then I was like no I'm sure he's no. called Gordon it's like <laughs> Gordon Freeman Gordon Freeman oh dear me I hear Freeman and I immediately want to go oh good old Morgan Freeman um yeah anyway so Gordon Freeman, not Morgan Freeman. I mean, Morgan <laughs> Freeman could, could possibly be Jesus. He does have a good voice. Um, so Gordon Freeman has essentially become the equivalent of Specky Jesus. And you, you sort of no one believes he exists, except for the people that met him in the first game. And mm. But he's some sort of mythological hero figure because he he's not a superhero or he's not like... It, it's not his day job to be a marine that goes into these sorts of places and kills all the aliens. You are just a 27-year-old specky nerd who happens to have a PhD in astrophysics that knows how to swing a crowbar. That's that is your <laughs> Those are your qualifications at the beginning of Half-Life 1. Half-Life 2 sort of picks up when the planet has been invaded by a race called the Combine, who, are, who look a bit like Hunk out of Resident Evil, so with the sort of <laughs> snorkel mask thing. Oh, yeah. And they've taken over the planet in sort of like a military dictatorship. um, And everyone is just herded into pens and either killed or segregated. And there's some tower that they're building, I'm assuming, to tear a hole in time and space, because isn't it always, to bring forth the rest of their race. And you have to destroy the tower by bringing together the 
the rebellion. It's a bit Star Warsy, really. So Rebel Alliance versus Death Star. But yeah, I never got into two as much as I did the sequels, so episode one and episode two. But yeah, that is the summary of of two from what I remember. When you said it looked like Hunk from Resident Evil, I don't know why my mind just went to tofu instead. And I was like, what? They're like huge like cubes of white stuff running around enemies. And then yep. when you explain with the gas mask, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's Hunk. That makes more sense yeah, now. that guy. <laughs> I got that one right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever played two. I don't think I've... Because I, I didn't like one. And I didn't see the point in doing two if I'd never finished one. So yeah, I know we said we'd play everything on this list at some point, And I still do intend to try and do that. Even if it is just for 20, 30 minutes. But I just we, we only settled on this earlier on, didn't we? So I've not really had a chance to play anything uh, since we decided we'd do this. Because the, uh, the games are getting a bit thin on the ground in terms of what we can actually talk about. And... We don't want to just do all the good ones and then be left with a load of dross for the last 15 games. So we're trying to save a couple of the better ones for for later. And we we looked at each other and said, well, what about Half-Life and Half-Life 2? And I said, as long as you can talk about them for over 20 minutes, then yeah, we'll give it a go. <laughs> and here we are, nearly half an hour. So we've just about achieved it. I mean, there's probably more to say about 2, but the fact that you're not keen on it and I've never played it means that the the less we say, probably the better, because we're just going to upset yeah, people. Yeah, we don't want to piss people off. About it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, which we're definitely going to do. The problem with it was is that they when they did the orange box. Um, so Valve obviously released their big orange box, uh, which was a collection of their best selling games. They didn't include Half Life One, so they just included mm. Portal, the Team uh, Team Fortress, and Half Life oh, yeah. Two. Half-Life 2 Episode 1 and Half-Life 2 Episode 2. So you got the full experience of Half-Life 2. However, you do need to have some sort of context to what you're doing in 2 by playing 1. So I don't know why they didn't include it. It it seems like a bit of a bizarre choice to just not bother. It can't have been that hard to include because it won't have been particularly large, I wouldn't have thought, in terms of space on a disc. It, it it wouldn't have the the era it came out. I can't imagine it would have taken loads of space up. And it's only so, six years. Yeah. Technology mm. can't have moved on that much that you can't just put another game onto yeah. a three hundred and sixty disc that's six years old. Yeah, true. It, it it's almost like they went, ah, oh, we'll sell this, and then maybe people will go and buy one separately to try and to get the storyline first. Whether they were still selling one at the time, I don't know. That if they were, that would make more sense. But now, so are episode one and episode two like further games in the series? Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah. So the direct sequels to two, which is a really weird way to do it, and there are about three to four hours worth of gameplay in each one, and each each bit gets you closer and closer to getting up the tower with your little gravity gun, because Valve, as always, are massive on physics engines um hence portal portal 2 that sort of thing they they do like dabbling with physics engines and stuff like that but you get the gravity gun in 2 and yeah it just sort of it, i found it a really weird way of doing it it's like they wanted to do an episodic game but then couldn't fully commit to do it to carrying it on and then they've just yeah. left it in like a cliffhanger ending that never seems to be able to resolve because they did Half-Life Alex, which isn't a direct sequel. It sort of takes part during two parts of it do. Um, and then because <laughs> obviously Valve owns Steam, it is their mm. distribution network for games for yeah. PCs and stuff like that. There was a game released by and it was essentially a fan game. It was called Hunt Down the Freeman and it was released in 2018 and to call it a rancid piece of shit would be underselling <laughs> rancid pieces of shit, to be quite honest with you. It is so bad. It's it's like someone had a fever dream while watching The Last Action Hero and went, oh, oh I, I've got a great sequel to Half-Life. The story that we all need to hear. 
and they got their mates who all had varying qualities of headsets and recording equipment. So some of them sound like they're really close to the microphone. Some of them sound <sighs> like they're just using an Xbox headset uh, with the mic uncomfortably close to the mouth so you pick up all the spit. <laughs> the voice acting's atrocious. The gameplay is awful. It doesn't explain how you do stuff. There's a mantling abilities. So <laughs> partway through the game, you come across this wall that you assume that you can't climb around because the game just doesn't explain that it's got a mantling ability at all. <laughs> and then after, after, I think most people end up no clipping through the majority of the game. So they just open like a, a, a browser <laughs> and just no clip through every section of the game because it's atrociously bad. It is like a cave section that's supposed to last about 20 minutes and they give you one flare to get through it. So you're just bumbling around in the darkness for ages. And it's just like, so yeah, I'll just no clip out of this. And <laughs> so yeah, it, it's I'm an atrocity. But the very fact that it was... I was just going to say, I'm surprised that, that Valve let it on there. Like, if it's a yeah. fan game and it is linked to their property, you think they'd pull it straight down. That's the thing. It, it It's basically got their tacit seal of approval because they've allowed it to be distributed on Steam. <laughs> yeah. It's like their own distribution network and they've just gone, yeah, do right. <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's the best we've got out of Half-Life for about 12 years now. So is, is the story of 2 not finished yet then, technically? No. Is there not an ending? No, not really. You, Why? you Why? sort of, spoiler alert, you sort of blow up the tower of the combine, but then you, because you're at the top of the bloody thing when it blows up, there's a there's a, a, a character in the series who just keeps appearing, and I forget his name, but he exists outside time and space, and he keeps sort oh, of right. telepathically communicating with you throughout. He appears all the way through one, and he's just an, a bloke in a suit, but he's a very peculiar-looking bloke. He's not quite human in appearance and yeah he appears to you at the end of it and he says we need to take the hunt uh, the fight to the combine and you you're sort of on this separate plane of existence and then the game just ends and the credit rolls i was convinced <laughs> that i'd glitched the game and it ended about three hours before it should have done i was like <laughs> and i went back and i replayed my previous save and nope same thing again i was like oh why is this the ending to a game? This is awful. So somebody just went, oh, let's leave it open for a sequel because we're definitely going to make one and then never bothered to make one. Yes, essentially, that that is it. And yeah, so Hunt Down the Freeman is exactly what it sounds like. You are a military operative who was in Black Mesa during Half-Life 1. One of you and your mates got duffed up by my uh, Gordon Freeman. Nearly did it again there. Uh, by Gordon Freeman with a crowbar, and now you're out seeking revenge against him, despite the fact that there's a military occupation by this alien uh, sort of species dominating the planet. No, you are hunting down this one nerd who, who whacked you in the shins a bit with a crowbar, and that's the entire plot. But you never get to kill him at the end. You never get to resolve the arc. It's just shit. It's just awful. It's just bizarre. All it's done is made Gordon sound like a bit of a knob, to be honest. <laughs> just yeah. go around it in random people with crowbars for no reason. Uh, let's yeah. not waste any more time on, on this. We've we've got more than we did out of Portal, which I'm quite happy about. So, yeah, what is two better than one? Are we giving it a higher score or a lower score? I... I think the storytelling's better, and you do get more... I mean, you do get the initial ten minutes of exposition and sat on a train getting shunted about uh, this rundown uh, ghost town essentially uh, by the combine but it, it does ramp up and you do get good storytelling and there's some some quite surprising deaths in it and the the physics engine is really good so you for a lot of the puzzles it's like balancing stuff to make a, a seesaw sort of ledge so you can drive a jet ski thing up it and carry on in the, in the rest of the level. So it is very good. I'd probably say 71, 72. Yeah, I'm happy to go with that. I don't I don't have any idea. I've, I've literally never played it. And at least most of the games on the list previously I've had a go at. Hmm. But this one is just, yeah, completely. I've seen videos of it and that's about as close as I've got. And I think it 
again, I'd probably enjoy it if I was playing it with somebody else and we just marathon them maybe to take in all the storyline. Or just I might watch like a let's play or something just to just to see the key points of the story in case three ever does bother to come out. But yeah, I'm happy to go with a, a seventy one, I think, on that one. So that's the, the list of games out of the way. We've got a couple of other things to talk about because we prepared this time, because we knew this <laughs> would happen. I mean we could just do a forty minute episode like we planned eight, nine months ago for these, but we may as well round it up to an hour or there or thereabouts. So a couple of things we wanted to speak about. The first thing I think we need to talk about is the fact that we completely omitted Five Nights at Freddy's from our Halloween episode, which one of our patrons did raise with me the other week when I was speaking to them. The reason being, I don't consider them a game, if I'm honest. No. I appreciate the lore, and I appreciate how much has gone into them in terms of Easter eggs and secret things, and and I love that aspect of it. And if that was the whole game, investigating a pizzeria and finding all these clues and piecing this story together with all these mysteries, I'd probably love it. But the actual gameplay of one to four, tediously clicking through cameras and turning lights on, shutting doors and winding up music boxes and all that garbage is just not for me. I'm I'm too old for that kind of thing now. I don't react well to jump scares. So <laughs> there's that as well. I, I enjoy watching other people play them or rather watching other people investigate the lore of them. So all the yeah. obviously all the, the game theory videos, I think there's like 500 of them by now, but watching the game theory videos and stuff, I really enjoyed it and I really got into finding out the mysteries of Five Nights at Freddy's. And I have bought a couple of the books, which I keep threatening to read uh, as bad as they're meant to be. I, I, it's the kind of dross that I do quite enjoy reading. I mean, I don't know if you remember... Oh, God, what was it called? There was a couple of games out ages ago, a bit like Fallout and Bioshock mixed together. Rage, was it? Oh, yeah. And um, I think there was a book for Rage that was like the, the book adaptation of the game. And I read that, and it's it's crap, but I really enjoyed it. I read it while I was on holiday one year, and I really enjoyed that. So I think the Five Nights at Freddy's ones are probably up my street, but in terms of actual gameplay from the core four games, they're something I wouldn't touch with a barge pole. I have no interest in playing those games, and I'm quite happy to just let other people play it and figure out the lore and tell me about it. So that's why we didn't really cover them, because we've not really got any experience of them. But we did miss out on a trick because the film had just come out when our Halloween episode was done. So we could have talked about the film. First question, have you seen it? It's not something that appeals to me. Um, I I do not get on well with jump scares at all. (laughs) I have seen bits of the, it's essentially the rip-off which came out before it. Oh, so there was a f- Wally's Wonderland. Wally's Wonderland. Yeah, Willy's which was yeah, Nicolas Cage as a silent protagonist. Uh, and it was exactly the same mythos behind Five Nights at Freddy's. The animatronics have come to life and they're like nothing better than wandering around the Chuck E. Cheese-esque um, eating venue after dark, trying to eat people, basically. Why you cast Nicolas Cage and then have him not speak was a bizarre choice for me. Apparently I mean, he asked for it. Oh. He actually asked to not have any lines. That makes a bit more sense then. I mean, he was obviously just after a paycheck then, by the sounds of it. Well, he's a bit eccentric anyway, isn't he? <laughs> of all the actors to get and then not have them speak, yeah, he's up there. Like Him and I'd say like Christopher Walken, if you're going to cast people that don't speak, don't cast them because their voice is such an intrinsic part of who they are. And and Morgan Freeman, for example, another one. That, <laughs> yes, exactly. That, so yeah, that was a bit of an odd one. But I, I have seen the Five Nights at Freddy's film. I was curious to see it because I say I've learnt a lot of the lore over the years and I was interested to see how they did it in the film. Bit of a mixed bag. And I can't really work out who the film's for because... If you've never played any of the games or seen any of the lore or know any of the story, there's a lot of stuff in there that you won't understand. It's not like it'll confuse you. You'd still be able to follow the film. But there's in-jokes and and bits of information that you won't be aware of. So, for example, and this one is by far and away more niche than probably some of the examples, Matt Pat, who does the game theory videos, is in the film because he's done so many videos about Five Nights at Freddy's and I think he probably 
friendly with the guy who developed it now. He's actually in the film. Uh, it is like a waiter when like this family uh, are having food in a diner and he actually says something about that. Uh, he tells them some sort of law and then goes, oh, but that's just a theory. And it's like, it's a nice little in-joke that they've worked into it. But unless you know who he is and what he's all about, you wouldn't get it. But then there's other bits like about the background of the pizzeria and stuff and who some of the characters are that the film doesn't go that far to explain. So unless you've got that background knowledge, you're not going to pick up on those bits. But then if you are a big fan of the games and the lore, they change so much about it that you're going to get annoyed that they've changed it. Right. And this is why I can't work out who the film's for, because people coming into it aren't going to get the full experience that don't know anything about it. And people that know everything about it are going to get annoyed that it's not the same as the games or it's a bit different to the games. Because like, there's one point in it where the the animatronics, which are obviously in the games murderous and kill anyone that they come in contact with, like befriend the security guard and his sister and this other woman... And, and like they're all there's a bit where they all build a fort out of tables and chairs and then all the animatronics and the kid and stuff lay in it and i was like these are meant to be like murderous robots i'm pretty sure in the game no point do they make forts with children and <laughs> it's just a little bit strange how they integrate that and they pull it back round jay in the editing room here I did a bit of research after we recorded this episode, and apparently in the novels, which I already admitted I haven't got round to reading yet, there are instances where Freddy and Co. will protect children and be less hostile to adults. I can't say much more without spoiling the books or the movie, or both, but it does make a little more sense when you know this, so perhaps this does appeal more to hardcore fans than I first thought. It goes from being like, it knows that its target audience are kids, so there's quite kid-friendly-ish bits in it, and then there's a bit where one of the animatronics literally bites a person in half and you see half of their torso just slam into the floor. Again, where are you aiming this? Like, what is your target market for this film? So it's a strange one. I didn't hate it. I did I did quite enjoy it. Nice to see Matthew Lillard in a film again. I enjoyed that particularly because he's not been around really for a while, has he? at least in terms of films. And apparently he signed on to do three more films with Bloomhouse. And he's not said explicitly that they're Five Nights at Freddy's films, but it's fairly likely that they're going to be, isn't it? So it looks like they're going to do another three, at least, unless he's in some other projects that we don't know about. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't a complete flop because some things in it, like the animatronics look pretty good. Everyone, before I went to see it, everyone was saying, oh, the, the animatronics in that uh, Wally's Wonderland look so much better and they've done a bad job with them. But then you watch the Five Nights at Freddy's ones and they look pretty much one-to-one to the game of how you'd expect them to look in real life. So I don't see why people are moaning about that. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's not amazing. I wouldn't go and see it again, for example. But I didn't hate it while I was watching it, I think is the the best endorsement I can give the film. There's been far worse video game films. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I think we've been a bit spoiled with how good Sonic 1, Sonic 2 and and Mario were. And this is having to try and live up to that, which it can't. But other than that, yeah, it's it's passable. I think it does the job. So I'd say, yeah, decent. I would recommend waiting maybe until it's on Sky or something and watching it then. So is it a horror film or or is it just... Yeah, ish. It, It has a couple of jump scares. It has a couple of deaths. There is an air of creepiness to certain bits of it, but it's not your out-and-out House of Wax or, you know, the ones that are full-on, just pure... I don't know why I said House cool. of Wax. It's not the best example of a horror film, but, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like... I know what you mean. It's got that, that element of constant dread, whereas this doesn't. It's sort of like you, you get to know this guy's life for a bit, and then, as I say, there's one bit where the animatronics and this little girl are best friends and they make a fort and they chill out in this fort and stuff. And yeah, it's it's not horror horror, but it is it does have some gruesome bits and a couple of jump scares and stuff. So yeah. it's in the middle. It's not com. I don't know. You wouldn't class it as a horror comedy either. I don't know what genre you put it under. It's like thirty percent horror. I don't know, like forty percent exposition. If that's a film category these days, because <laughs> it's just <laughs> just bits explaining what's happened in the past that that for no reason people would actually explain, but because they're in a film and you need to know it. 
Yeah. They they do the exposition thing, so yeah, it's not bad. It's it's worth a watch when it's free, I would say. Hmm. Fair enough. So just give it a few months. It'll be on Netflix or something, won't it? And you can watch it on there and and decide for yourselves. Uh, the other bit of news was we finally got a Grand Theft Auto 6 announcement, didn't we, last week? Albeit a very small one. Just, oh, there's a trailer coming in December, is it? Or something yeah, like that? Is it so. a trailer? Yeah. I'm worried. I'm worried what they're going to have done with it, if I'm honest. I mean, when aside from milking five for everything that it's worth, when was the last time they released an, a GTA game? Because it's coming up to 15 years now, is it? Was it? 10 years the other day or something like that. Let me have a look. Because they pretty much said it's not going to be any time soon as, as well, haven't they? 2013, GTA 5 came out. That's the 10 years. And yeah, they've said that they're doing a trailer in December, but essentially don't get excited because it might not even be 2024 when it comes out. And I can sort of see why, because if they're doing what they're claiming they're doing and it's going to be... Vice City, San Andreas, and Five all stitched together, I think is the plan, is it? Or something like that? It's ambitious, isn't it? Not only to get that level of area in, but to actually populate it with stuff to do and make it feel like a a purposed world. I mean, that's where Cyberpunk fell down, wasn't it? They made a massive world, and then there was only about 10% of it that was even worth visiting when it first came out. They've worked on that, and I think they've made it better, but... Rockstar don't, apart from the definitive collection, Rockstar don't tend to release unfinished stuff, do they? It's usually very polished by the time they get it out. Yeah, I mean, I saw something um, that they'd also dropped hints towards, that your characters will age as you play the game. And, And I just got this overwhelming memory of how Fable was described when it before it came out. <laughs> and that was a living, breathing world. Everything you did had consequences. Your character aged as you played, so you could and and the world reacted round you to everything. So you could plant an apple seed, and as you played through the game, you'd be able to see that tree grow into a full sized apple tree. And obviously Peter Molyneux, when he gave that as his idea for Fable was obviously on something because the final product of Fable was not that. And I just don't, I'm always cautious when they, when game companies try to oversell what they can achieve. I mean, look at No Man's Sky. Yeah. It is de rigueur for the games industry these days for them to promise something that is massively unachievable to the point where we may end up with like a very portioned down version of it so you'll end up with Mm. a smaller version that you then have to go to a different sandbox to experience different bits of the map and yeah it just bothers me when they say oh we'll have this seamless open world it'll have the same graphics only better than gta 5 your character will age everything there'll be something to do in every portion of because there wasn't something to do in about 60% of the map from GTA 5. Yeah, it was desert land on it. So it was it was a place to escape the police, pretty much. And that yeah. that was about 60% of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Peter Molyneux ever said anything that was truthful, did he? So everything he said was took with a pinch of salt anyway. I mean, he's made some cracking games over the years, but he's also made some horrific games and, and sold them as being better than they are. I don't feel like Rockstar would do that as much, at least not intentionally anyway. I feel like Peter Molyneux says stuff to get hype, yeah. even though he knows they can't deliver on it, whereas Rockstar tend to back things up. The aging thing's weird, though, because, I mean, what triggers it? Is it as you complete mainline missions, or is it just as you drive and potter about? Because if that's the case, I would die before I'd done any mainline missions, because I tend to like doing all the side quests and stuff first, and... It almost sounds like it's putting you on a timeline. I, I think they were intending the character to age in real time. So these people that have been playing GTA Five for 10 years would have a character that had aged 10 years since when, since they first started playing it. So yeah, so th- that is what I took from it. That's long-term planning though, isn't it? That's, that's being optimistic. Yeah. Your game's going to be as popular as your previous game was. And... I don't know. You'd think they'd have learnt the lesson with the whole San Andreas where you could put weight on and stuff and then you had to exercise to drop it back off because 
No one liked yeah. that, as far as I'm aware. And this this sounds like another gimmick that's on the same track as that. I'd rather them take the time they've put into aging the character to just make the missions more involved or, do you know what I mean, do, do something that's going to be beneficial in the short term. Yeah, it was like when they did the thing with Red Dead 2, where they'd actually spent like a good month of one of their developers studying a horse from the back and how it pooed. <laughs> and just so that it could have real poo sort of poo effect physics and he's like I'm not in the game for this. This is not why uh, I'm playing this game. This is the thing though, isn't it? Some people will be somebody will have been stuck behind a horse waiting for that to happen and that would have made their life. Yeah. The I mean maybe the aging thing is just like it is in Red Dead where your beard and your hair gradually gets longer and you have to go and get it cut. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't be beyond the realms because they've already got that sort of engine or whatever it is that drives that in a previous game. They can just move that across. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they were alluding to, which which would be good because it has always bothered me in games where, like Saints Row and stuff, where you can just go to a hairdresser and have more hair put on than you've initially <laughs> <Yeah>. got. <laughs> so the <laughs> fact that you could grow it out and then have it styled and stuff makes more sense. So... Yeah, that would be interesting. I I am quite interested to get back to Vice City because that is my favourite game. Although, if it's Vice City now, I don't know if that's going to be that good because a big part of it was the 80s vibe to it and the music and everything. So, if they stick a a Vice City throwback radio channel on it and I can flick that on and drive around Vice City, I'll be quite happy. But I'm going to say we'll have to see. We might be dead by the time it comes out. You never know. When... <laughs> yeah, that's very true. We're no spring chickens, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the, the, the things that they're planning, it could be years and years into the future. I mean, I assume they're planning it for the next console generation. They've got to be, surely. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm guessing we're going to be getting something new in the next year or two. Now, I don't know actually. Based on previous, because I know Nintendo have got something cooking haven't they but they sit outside the release schedule of everything else anyway oh yeah and i've not heard anything from xbox or uh from microsoft or sony so maybe not but it wouldn't surprise me if they brought it out in like late and late 2024 early 2025 and then new consoles came out and then here's a remastered version that's for yeah. the new consoles that's another 80 quid or something yeah, I can see us getting a new console generation like 2029, 2030 sort of time. Because, I, I mean, as long, long as the PlayStation 5 has been out, most people weren't able to buy one for the first two years because yeah, yeah. they, they, without being scalped by an eBay uh, seller. So, yeah, I, although they've been out a long time, it doesn't feel like they have because of how scarce they were. I think as well we're at that that sort of critical mass point where what more can they actually do now other than yeah. other than making them quicker what can they actually do because graphics have just about hit a point now where i don't know what more you can do without them looking like real life which then they're not able to do i remember seeing something when the xbox 1 came out that said graphics on and and res- screen resolutions are to the point now where any improvement on them, the naked eye wouldn't be able to see it anyway, so there's no point in doing it. And that was like a console generation ago, and that was with 4K TVs, and now there's 8K TVs, so I don't know if that's true or a lie, and whether people are buying 8K TVs for no reason, because their eyes can't decipher any difference. But um, you've got to think, at some point we're going to get to that, where they go, well, what more can we do? And I think that's why a lot of, well, Sony in particular, are going down the VR route. Yeah. Because that's the thing that that still hasn't really been explored as much as it and and has this potential. Whether it'll take off or not, I don't think it will. I think it's always going to be a novelty thing rather than this is where everything's heading because there's too many people get motion sickness from it. There's too many people that don't have 2020 vision, which then makes it incredibly difficult to use one way or another. Yeah, and I just think it's it's probably going to be a similar gimmick to the 3D on a 3DS. It was a cool thing. Yeah. And people enjoyed it, but ultimately you turn it off after a couple of days because it 
makes your eyes burn or you don't get anything out of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, and then there's the whole limited mobility thing. We're in mm. an age now where games are so infinitely more accessible than they used to be. And to make someone strap two pounds of plastic to their head and hold these little nunchucky things in their hand and swing them around wildly like they're uh, in a boxing match just makes you think, a lot of people won't be able to do that, so it's a bit niche, really. We, we went to that, I think I've talked about it on a, a DLC episode, we went to one of those game places where you can play all the games for free for an hour, and they had a full VR setup, one of those where you get in it and, and they strap you into it, and you can run and things like that, and you wear these special anti-friction shoes and the edges of the booth have got roller balls. So as you put your foot on them, it rolls forward and you start moving on screen. And you, you're sort of meant to, you're in a harness and you're sort of meant to lean forward a little bit. So your feet are off the floor and you're just skidding them so that you get the moment. It was so difficult. Like It took me ages to get my head around how it works. And I was like, surely I'm not, I was nearly laid down. I was leaning forward that much. <laughs> I'm like, surely this isn't meant to be how it is. And then eventually it kicked in and I figured it out, but it wasn't fun to do it was like it, it was a, an arena shooter we were playing and there's weapons scattered around the arena and you can go and pick new weapons up run to where enemies are start shooting and you're against the other person and both of us for the first game the novelty of it ran and started picking up weapons and then immediately in the second game both realized if we just stood on a, a weapon spawner we could just keep getting the same weapon over and over and just pick things off from wherever we were on the map. So for the second and third game, we didn't move because it was so unnatural to do it. And because you were sort of, because I'm a bit huskier than the than most, where I was leaning forward, there was a big plastic bar pressing into my stomach. So I got off of it and for like three days, I had like a big bruise across my stomach where I've been slamming into this thing trying to run forward. So I think the technology's there, but it's just not, well it's not accessible for people in the home for a start because this thing was bigger than our living room and two it's just not there in terms of the advancement to make it a fun thing to play it was a novelty that wore off literally after a five minute match and we're like yeah we don't want to do that anymore we're just going to shoot with the guns and that bit was fun but the actual moving about bit it was like there's no point to do this i'm just going to stay here keep getting this power up keep picking things off there's there's no benefit to me running around this arena and people were saying oh they could implement this into like fortnite and like so you can run around the 3d world and i was like no that's never going to work because one it's a lot more effort than just moving in real life because you move in these rollerball things and two, on a, a massive map, it would take you like 10 minutes to get to the other side of it yeah. because you don't move quick enough. And people who play Fortnite, I assume, don't want to run around a map. <laughs> yeah. Because if they did, they'd go and do paintballing or airsoft or something. The, <laughs> the joy of the game is that you sit there and move your thumbs and your fingers and that is it. So <laughs> I just don't see it working. It's a nice novelty, but... Yeah, it's never going to be something you have in your house, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, I I went on one for a stag do, and it was one of the it was so it was a VR, and you fought off waves of zombies, but it was mm. free roam, so you had like a pack, uh, visor headset, a gun, and you had to sync each individual bit up, and if one bit of it desynced, you essentially you, your vision cleared, and you could see the grimy warehouse <laughs> that you were stood in through the filter um so yeah there, there are a lot of inherent issues with it i mean it was fun just being able to completely free roam and fight off zombies in like a group of six of you because you could hmm. see the other avatars of your other player yeah, the, yeah. the people in with you but i think a lot of people when they hear vr they immediately think of like ready player one hmm. um that level um when it does get to that level fair enough but the technology needs to be advanced much more than it currently is and shrunk at the same time. So it's like the PCs from like the 30s that were the size of a house. <laughs> yeah. We need that to happen to VR tech, but there's no push for it. There's no necessity for it. So it'll. I just don't think it will ever get any further than like the PSVR. Showing my age, when I think of VR, I think a nightmare. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> which wasn't VR in any sense of the word, was it? But that just that's what springs to mind when I think of it. But yeah, I think you're right. It's just people aren't interested in it enough for people for companies to spend that money on it. And that's why I just think it'll go by the wayside. One of the other things I saw somebody using it to do like spreadsheets the other day. So they've got you have your computer in front of you like you would normally, but in your headset is where your monitors are and you can drag them and have like four or five different monitors around you and then you control them with your keyboard and mouse, which sounds pretty cool. But the problem I've got with that is any VR headset I've ever used, unless you're looking directly at it, all the periphery is blurred quite yeah. quite drastically. And I just think you'd end up straining your neck looking at like having to pivot your whole head to look at everything that you wanted to. So I can see it's sort of potentially got use use cases for that. And and one of my friends, we both got the Quest headsets. And he's like, Oh, you can go into like a cinema and we can watch a film. There's like Netflix baked into it we can go and we can watch a film as if we're sat next to each other in a cinema from netflix i was like oh yeah that sounds cool let's do that so i think we just picked like an episode of rick and morty or something rather than watching a film and it was like watching it in like i don't know 300 like by a 400 resolution or something because it's the the quality in the headset is so poor compared to how you would see like a 55 inch screen and then it's blown it up on like a cinema screen it was like watching like an old youtube video from like (laughs) back in like 2008 or something all fuzzy around the edges and i was like it is cool because we could chat with each other and you'd still hear the audio as if you're in a cinema and everything but it just it was hurting my eyes by the end of it and i assume if you've got maybe a stronger internet connection and it's able to cope because it's obviously got to render the video but it's got to render everything else that's around you and the people that are in there with you and the voice chat and and all that so i assume if your internet's better than my internet is it might have been a bit crisper but even then it's never going to look high quality on those headsets because they're not high quality the the whole point of it is it's right next to your eyes so it looks crisp enough that you don't notice it but then when you're watching a film that's away from you on the headset and everything gets shrunk down a little bit it's just it was a difficult watch if they brought the technology on enough to make that crisp i could see again that being a really good especially in like when we had covid and everything and people couldn't meet people that would have been a great thing to have where you and all your mates could have put your headsets on and it's like you're in the same room watching a film together but i just think again it's got to advance so far to get yeah. to that point, who's going to invest this money in it? And Facebook are putting money into it with the quests. Uh, well, Meta are putting money into it with those. But you know how fickle they are. As soon yeah. as it doesn't start selling or making their money, they're just going to pull it, aren't they? And PlayStation have took massive advances from PSVR 1 to 2, but even then, not enough, I don't think. No, um, and the only other company is, ironically, Valve, because that's what Half-Life Alex was built in. It was built in mm. VR tech, but it's like, that's lovely, Valve, but it's 400 quid yeah. for your thing. In addition to the PC, I've got to play it on. <laughs> so, why, it's two grand? Three grand? Yeah, this is it, isn't it? If you can, hook, if you can afford to hook it up to a, a decent computer, you probably would get a much better you get a better resolution and everything, don't you, through it, and, and much better speeds. But I personally don't have that much. Even if I had a good computer, I think the Quest cable to connect it to a computer, if you want an official one, is like 80 quid just for the wire. So it, it is just expense on top of expense. I mean, I had to buy a little, as stupid as it sounds, I, I bought a headset because the one that it comes with is quite uncomfortable. So I bought a a new head support thing that holds it more in place and you can actually flip it up while it's still attached to your head. So if somebody wants to talk to you, you just flip it up. So that that was pretty good, but that was like 60 quid. I bought a case for it, which was 20 or 30 quid. And then ridiculously, I had to buy, and these are official, these are official Meta products, glasses spacers. So you clip them on inside the headset and it stops your glasses from touching the lens and then scratching each other. So it's like two little bits of plastic that are eye-shaped that you clip into the headset, and they were about 30 quid. And it's just like they're literally rinsing people for everything they possibly can. Battery pack, you can get a battery pack for it so that it lasts longer, but that's like 40-odd quid. 
And yeah, it's just it's expense on top of expense. And when you think they're not cheap to start with, no, it just feels like if I'm paying, well, what's the top of the line one now? It's like six hundred odd quid or something, is it? Yeah. If I'm paying that, I should get a decent like head support, a battery pack, and some glasses spacers that are literally rings of plastic thrown in, surely. Yeah, it should be able to function out of the box, basically. <laughs> yeah. Which, for, for speckies like us, yeah. it doesn't. because you Well, it does, but then you'll take it off and you'll just see rings on your glasses where it's just been scraping against the lens. <laughs> I think VR's got a long way to come, but that did link us nicely back to Half-Life there. Uh, briefly so i think that is a good time as any to say thank you to our patrons so we have got in the couple of coins tier we've got lee in the bucket kicker tier we've got rick flair and the sweaty llama and in the avatarnish tier we've got atropos so thank you again to all of you for keeping us going we hope you're still enjoying it we're still enjoying doing it if anybody wants to join our Patreon, there will be a new episode going up very soon. I'm just in the process of editing it now. You can go to patreon.com slash bucketlistgamers. Any of the tiers, Bucket Kicker and above, will get you the extra content as soon as it comes out. We are looking at doing a Q&A episode soon, so if you're one of our patrons, you can submit a question that we have to answer within reason. So if you would like to do that, just send it in on Patreon to the there's like a mailbox function on there, I think. Drop us a message and we'll add it to the list. And then when we've got enough questions, we'll do that and probably make that a Patreon exclusive at first because it doesn't sound like main channel material because people probably don't really care about us that much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, unless you've got any other business, we've managed to make it well past the hour mark, which I'm impressed at. Yeah, I am. Um, and no, nothing to add. <laughs> so with that in mind, I will say that's goodbye from me. And that's goodbye from me. Thank you.